beauty and skincare is always a hot topic around here, and today I want to tell you about a new product line I've discovered that I think you will like, Exponent Beauty. Listeners of the show will receive 20% off their purchase. More details on that in a minute. Exponent Beauty is a skincare brand with a line of activated anti-aging serums that are clinically proven to reduce fine lines and wrinkles. The beauty of Exponent Beauty is their innovative form factor. The powders are activated with a quadruple hyaluronic acid serum in their patented precision-dosed dispenser. The packaging is gorgeous, and the dispenser itself is refillable, so it has also reduced plastic waste. Exponent Beauty's line of serums can be found in med spas and spas and dermatologists' office around the country. The line is dermatologist-recommended and clinically proven to reduce those fine lines and wrinkles, and to increase brightness and radiance, and to firm skin without irritation. No more expired or underutilized products with Exponent Beauty, just high-quality skincare with ingredients that work. Go to ExponentBeauty.com and use code TELL20 for 20% off a purchase of $100 or more. That's Exponent, E-X-P-O-N-E-N-T, Beauty, B-E-A-U-T-Y.com and use code TELL20, T-E-L-L, the numbers two zero for 20% off your purchase of $100 or more. And you look cute, by the way. I didn't tell you that. It makes me mad. I should send you a, a lengthy email about how it makes me mad that you can wear headscarves and I can't. You can, by the way, everyone can wear a headscarf. No, everyone cannot. Please stop saying that. That's crazy. to tell you. And you have 10 things to tell. This show is about connection with each other and with ourselves. And the hope is that the things we talk about here will be fuel for better conversations and a personal awareness. This is an interactive podcast. Each episode has a prompt and a topic that I want you to take to your journal, text to your best friend, or answer on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. This is a show about digging deeper and sharing our stuff. I'll go first. Welcome to the 10 things to tell you podcast where sometimes we get really deep and introspective and sometimes we talk about skincare because this is real life and we can care about relationships and our faces at the same time. I am thrilled to welcome back to the show one of my dearest friends, Jamie Golden. You might know Jamie from her very popular podcast about pop culture called The Popcast. You might know her from her other very popular show, The Bible Binge, where she and her co-host Knox McCoy walk through the Bible as if it was the world's best reality show. Or you might know her from her hilarious social media presence on Instagram and Twitter, where you can find her as Jamie B. Golden. I know her from all of those places, of course, but in the last couple of years, I especially know Jamie as one of the smartest businesswomen I've ever met. 
She is constantly blowing me away with her marketing mind and her creativity in our work mastermind that you might have heard me talk about a little bit because it has become such a big part of my life. In fact, I did a whole episode about work masterminds. That's episode 51 if you're interested in how online creators can create a semblance of a co-worker environment for support and friendship. And so even though Jamie Golden and I were already online friends, being in this group, in this mastermind together, has really deepened our relationship over the last few years. Jamie also has the important distinction on this show for being responsible for the most downloaded episode ever in the history of 10 Things to Tell You. She was my guest on episode 14, way back in April of 2019, on an episode called Skincare and Makeup with Jamie Golden. And so today we are going to do a part two of that same idea, only instead of talking about at-home skincare, we're also going to be talking about facial procedures, the things we have done or are considering doing to our faces. We're talking about Botox, lasers, fillers, and more. And we're talking about it because, well, first of all, we just like talking about that stuff, but also because both Jamie and I are big believers in women talking about this stuff, period. It does not have to be this big taboo. You might not want to post it on social media or something, but among my women friends, I wish that we were sometimes more candid in sharing these experiences. So in our conversation today, Jamie and I do a bit of a recap from that first skincare episode. We talk about what has changed in our skin and in our routines since then. We also take a brief tangent about YouTube beauty gurus. We share our personal philosophies on face procedures and plastic surgery, and I admit to having a very warped perspective on beauty and faces in general because I live in Los Angeles. It is a lot to pack into one conversation, but we somehow do it. As usual, everything we mention can be found in the show notes at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast, and you will definitely want to be following Jamie after you hear this show, you'll want to go follow her on her social channels at Jamie B. Golden. I am so happy to welcome Jamie back to 10 Things to Tell You. Jamie Golden, welcome back to 10 Things to Tell You. I am so happy to have you here again. I don't know why it took so long. Why have you not invited me for two years? It was you just, we don't ever speak. Is that what the problem is? No, yeah, we talk all the time. We literally talk every day. You've gotten too big time for me, Miss Golden. Stop it. That's crazy. Our conversations are about skincare, which I love because it's my favorite topic that I genuinely don't get to talk about enough because usually when I'm like, hey, friends, do you want to talk about my 10 step skincare routine? And they're like, no, get out of here. You can come talk about your skincare stuff whenever you want on the show. It is an open invitation, not only because we're friends and I find you fascinating and you're my main source of information on this topic, but also because our episode together, episode 14, so very early in the life of this show, in the beginning of 2018, that episode is 
the most downloaded episode of any show I have ever made on any podcast. Like I cannot believe how many downloads our first conversation got. You are a rock star. And so now I am so glad that you are back for a part two. Well, you know, I, here's what I think. Cause part of me was like, why was that episode so successful? Cause you talk a lot about topics that are universal in many ways for people, which that's why I love your show truly. But also I think skincare for a lot of men and women, I think skin is an issue for both men and women. A lot of us wake up in our thirties, late thirties, like me, and they look at their skin and they went, what happened? I don't understand. Like inside, I feel 24, but my body has forsaken me. And as it does, right? Because we suddenly can't go on a long hike and not be sore, or we can't have a rager anymore and not need three days to recover. The same is true for our skin. And I think no matter where you are in your vanity, because I think for a long time, skincare was people were like, well, if you care about that, you're vain. And I'm not saying I'm not vain. Like, let me be clear (laughs) that I do have some vanity. But I think everybody can look at their face and go, oh, well, I don't like that it sags that way or it wrinkled that way. Or I think that's universal. It doesn't matter how much makeup you wear or how much time you spend on your face. There's always a part of us that's like, oh, well, I don't love that, you know? Well, and also if you do have those feelings of like, what's happening above my neck here? (laughs) Yeah. And then you go to Google or you even go to your doctor or, you know, whatever you do, the information is really overwhelming. There's a lot that you can learn or, you know, just get bogged down by really quickly. And so I feel like when we talked about it two years ago, that it was a just a girlfriend chat. Like this is how yeah. you would talk about it with a girlfriend who knows a lot about skincare <laughs> and will tell you exactly what to use and what to do and just kind of even what to think about instead of just like going to YouTube and then being so overwhelmed by all the information there and like clicking out immediately. You know what yes. I mean? Yes. Yes. Because obviously there's a lot of science to it. Obviously there's a lot of information because dermatologists go to school for a really long time and estheticians have to do a lot of educational hours to become licensed. And I am not either of those things, but I do like to make it accessible for people because for me, when I started thinking about my skin in my very late thirties, early forties, which was very late in the game, I was like, well, I know that there's a way to do this efficiently, like in the same way that I know how to cook pasta efficiently. I think there's got to be a way to take care of my skin that way. And I think that's what I've done the research. And if I can help people know that, like, it's just a fun educational adventure. So for the people who haven't listened to that one yet, and if you haven't, I actually would encourage you to press pause and go immediately and download episode 14 and listen to it as a part one of this conversation not that you couldn't get something out of our conversation here today, but there's just so much good basics like skin 101 happening in that first episode together, episode 14, because after that conversation, which, you know, I was almost 40 when we recorded that and I, I did not take very good care of my skin. And after we talked that day, I went out immediately and started using retinol. I Can you believe it? I I started using vitamin C, which we'll talk about in a bit because I actually don't love that, but I want to get your take on my experience with the vitamin C. Sure. I started to use the Dr. Gross Alpha Beta peel pads, which you also recommended on that. Yes. You know, and I didn't become like a fanatic about it. Like, I'm just being honest. I'm still lazy-ish on my skincare 
however I'm armed with better information and even taking care of it just a little bit. Yeah. It, it made a huge difference. Well, and it's so sweet because people listen to that episode and then they would DM me on Instagram or email me and they would say, Hey, I start, I stopped using hand soap to wash my face and I now use CeraVe and my skin is so much softer. And I'm like, baby step. Like really, like I, I don't think that people should leave this episode or that episode and go, oh man, I need 10 steps to my skincare routine. I don't, I think you find the tip or the thing that meets the need you have and you go, okay, well, let me try that one thing and then decide how it works for you. And you might be surprised how you go, oh, well, that is actually very helpful. And then maybe you will end up like me who is never not doing skincare, especially in the pandemic of the last year. Like, oh, what a magical time to just be doing skincare all the time. Well, wait, let's talk about that though. Literally, I talk about the pandemic in every episode I have. It does not matter what the subject is. I'm like, let's bring this back around to quarantine, shall we? Yeah, we should. I want to know what happened to your skin because I guess the one way to look at it is I didn't wear makeup for days and weeks on end. And so I, you know, let my skin kind of rest from just like a ton of bacteria and products and glitter on it every day. But on the other hand, like this is as stressed as I've ever been possibly. And my skin shows stress real fast. And so I felt like it was sort of rashy, rough, my wrinkles definitely deepened. (laughs) I don't know. Tell me what your experience was with pandemic year 2020 that we just lived through. Like what did that do to your skin? Maybe it gave you all kinds of opportunity to do a mask every day. I don't know. Well, it did. It same for you. I wore less makeup. So I was putting less stress on my skin because I was just putting less product on it and having to not double cleanse it every night. So that was great. I also did have more time to do LED mask, which we'll talk about later, but do regular, just sheet mask every day. I had more time to do like thoughtful treatments on my skin and really look at my skin and go, what am I struggling with? What am I not? Although I normally go monthly to my esthetician. I did not see her for months as we were in a shutdown and I don't hardly go anywhere. So it was months before I got to see her again. So that was tough. And then I had masked me because I was wearing masks to my workplace for my day job. And I was having breakouts on my jaw. And like you said, redness and dryness there and having to learn how to, oh, this is a new phenomenon that I've not ever had to treat before. And like learning how to treat my skin differently when it's, you know, collecting all this oil and dirt under this mask. And so, and like you said, aging, stress, I was like, I, I have to get collagen motivated because my collagen was not motivated any longer. I'm aging too. I'm, you know, two years older than when we last spoke about this topic. And so it's time marches on and it marches across your face. So, well, so wait, before we get into procedures, which is kind of going to be the main thing we're going to talk about today. If the first episode was general skincare and what we do at home in our morning routines, our evening routines and all of that, we're really going to talk about needles, if you will. (laughs) That's right. Lasers, all the procedures in a second. But first, I do want to know if anything major has happened. Like if you have the same ideas or if you're using the same products as you talked about two years ago, like what has changed, if anything, about the information that you shared then? Like almost an update, if you will. And then I also want to share what I started using on your recommendation after that and how that has also evolved. But you go first. 
Well, I still do a 10 step skincare routine. We talked about that. I don't think that's for everybody. I, I truly don't. I don't think that's a requirement, but for me, it's really worked all the research. There's new scientific studies that have come out that have tweaked like what type of vitamin C I use and are committed to because I now know really what's the most effective. And then my retinol has increased in percentage in terms of, I use a prescription retinol. I started over the counter. I talked about that in that episode. Now I'm at a higher percentage than I've ever been at, which is good. And my skin can tolerate it. And so it's really good. But otherwise I still follow all the same steps. Most of those products I still use. There've been some things that have come out that I've really loved. There's actually been skincare brand launches that I've really loved that I'll mention later in the episode, but I really do the same, the same system. There's nothing that's really changed. And those ingredients that I said were so important, they're still a part of my everyday morning and night routine. Okay. That's good to know. Actually, I'm glad that you're not coming in and you're like, okay, everything I said, Listen, how, how great would it be if I was like, you know what? JLo said she only uses olive oil on your skin. And now I only use olive oil, which first of all, JLo is a liar. Listen, she's a beautiful, gorgeous person, but she's so disrespectful to her dermatologist and her esthetician by not honoring the work that they've done. First of all, olive oil is comedogenic. So she would be broken out constantly. The olive oil is not even a great oil to put on your face. So the fact that she did that, and she did that in the process of launching a skincare line, like calm down. Okay. Well, what I did when we got off I basically probably went that afternoon after we recorded because I was so <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything right. I started with what you suggested, the Neutrogena Rapid Wrinkle Repair Retinol. Yes. I tried both the oil, like um, comes like in a dropper. And then I also tried the cream, which is more just like a thicker moisturizer feel. I preferred the oil. And I used that for a while. I started there because you can get that at the drugstore, Target, wherever. And, you know, so the price point was right. I didn't feel like I was investing in this whole new thing. I didn't want to go out and spend hundreds of dollars because I had a good skincare episode, you know, right, and then, right. And then right. drop it. So I, I did start with that Neutrogena Rapid Wrinkle Repair Oil. And I liked it. My skin tolerated it fine, better than I thought it would. There was a little bit of dryness, but because I do fuss with my skin and I do like rando, the drunk elephant, secure baby facial peels every now and again, right. by every now and again, pretty often. So my skin wasn't completely freaked out by using retinol right. and I liked it. I did eventually end up moving in a bit in a different direction, not too long after that, maybe six months after that, I discovered the Sunday Riley Power Couple, which yes. is a Luna Retinol Sleeping Night Oil. It's like a blue oil. And then you pair it with Good Genes, which is their all-in-one lactic acid treatment. And you can buy those as a duo. At this point, I love them so much. I buy them individually. So I have the big full sizes. But if you wanted to try them, you can buy the smaller sizes and, and buy them together. I love this combination. I never would have tried this without you. I use the Luna Retinol at night and then I use the Good Jeans at night and in the morning. I freaking love the Good it's Jeans. Great. It's so great. I still do use a moisturizer on top of it, but it I love the way it feels. I love what it does to my skin. That was probably the best discovery for me personally after we talked and I realized I needed to add in some of these things. 
That's so great. Well, and it's a great combo because acids are really great because it turns over skin and Enga Jeans is a cult product for that reason. A lot of people love it and use it. I've used it for many years. And then the great thing about the retinol, the way it's encapsulated in that oil is it's much gentler on the skin. So when it's paired with an acid, it's not as likely to cause redness or flaking or just any kind of irritation. I find that people who love oils love retinol in oil and Luna oil is a great product as well. Yeah. I think I love oils and I didn't necessarily know that. I mean, I had used oils before we talked, but I didn't know like, oh, I'm really gravitating towards oils. I can have sensitive skin and I feel like it's less likely when I'm trying a new product, the oil version usually just reacts better than sometimes creams that have other stuff in them. Okay. The other thing I tried, and this is what I do want to talk about that you really raved about for, you know, brightness and lightness is I did try vitamin C serum and I bought the drunk elephant because I already liked that brand C firma. I couldn't hack it. I know. Well, you went in, you went in strong, my friend, you went in strong. And for a lot of people, it it causes no irritation or because what was your, what happened? Like, what was your experience with it? It wasn't overly irritating. I just am pretty sensitive to smell, um, smell. Yes. Lord have mercy. (laughs) I hated that smell and sort of texture. Now it's just like a, it's, there's not a texture to the actual serum, but like you know, the, the color, the smell, the stick is sticky. I guess that's what I mean by texture. It's It's like kind of sticky. Yeah. I was like, I can't, this is, I can't do this. And I, I saw the brightening benefits. I really did, but it was not an, it was not a full offset for everything else that was bugging me about it. So I have not stuck to a vitamin C. I was going to ask if you had a different suggestion. Yes. So I do. So just so people know, vitamin C, one of the things it's an antioxidant. So it's great. And you put it on the morning, the way we always look at skincare is AM is to protect PM is to repair, which is why Laura is using her retinol at night. It's helping repair her skin. So vitamin C is great because it does have a brightening effect. It helps with free radicals that are trying to damage your skin and you use it in the morning, but it, if you use the most purest form, which is L-ascorbic acid, which is what's found in your body, it smells like hot dog water. Like that, if if it smells correct, that's what it smells like is hot dog water, not hot dogs, hot dog water. So it's worse than you might even imagine. And then it's not shelf stable. So like an other skincare ingredients that can sit on your shelf for a year, vitamin C only lasts three months at the most on your counter. It's not shelf stable. If you have issues like Laura has with the smell and things like that and the tackiness, I always say get a vitamin C that's in a cream form. So like at the drugstore, L'Oreal makes a 10% in a tube. It's a cream format. That's very nice. Naturium, which is a brand new brand that I love from a skincare influencer that I follow and adore Susan Yara. Her brand is now at target. It's on the shelves at target and it's a fantastic brand. And she makes several vitamin C's, but her vitamin C is encapsulated in a cream as well. And so that it, the smell will not be as significant. And the texture will be much more appealing. The effectiveness will be, you know, it'll go down a notch because just like with retinol, there's over-the-counter retinol and then all the way up to prescription. That's a different effectiveness. The same is true with vitamin C. If it's L-ascorbic acid, it's the most effective because it doesn't have to convert in your body because everything has to convert to what's in your body, right? And so with what you find in other vitamin Cs, the texture is nicer, 
but it's just not as strong. But for most people, if I would rather you use it than not use it because vitamin C is such an important part of a skincare routine. If you're looking to add kind of that, how can I protect my skin and how can I brighten discoloration, all of those things, vitamin C is a great ingredient to have. So however it can get in your routine, that's more important than how effective it is. Well, if I start using it as a cream in the morning or in a cream in the morning, is that taking place of a moisturizer or do I still put a moisturizer on top of it? You still put a moisturizer on top of it because it it doesn't have moisturizing ingredients. Now you can get some moisturizers that have vitamin C products in them so that you can combine. And we can put some suggestions in the show notes of vitamin C moisturizer combos, but it's just a serum step. So it's after you cleanse, you'd put on that vitamin C in the morning and then you top it with your moisturizer and then your SPF. And you don't have to wait. You can, once it goes in it, you don't have to wait for your moisturizer. You can actually even pump the vitamin C into your moisturizer. You can make a little skincare smoothie, if you will. Okay. Maybe I should do that because to me, one of the things I like about the different steps and I don't, I do not have 10 steps, but it is helpful for me if they're different liquids, you know what I mean? Like a serum is a serum. And then I put a moisturizer on, like, it's helpful for me mentally. It's helpful for me to not feel like I'm clogging everything up. Even if I'm factually not, it's just for me, like (laughs) to put a cream and then put on a cream. I, I start to get the nerves. Right. And I don't want you to have a nervous energy around this. I want you to have a calming because the stress that you bring with the two creams, it's, it's going to be bad for your skin. So, <laughs> but know that for listeners, sometimes serums are not li- like, they're not liquidy. Sometimes the serum step is a cream. Like there are many serums that are in cream format, which can be confusing. It's like, it's for example, when we say the acid step, people will be like hyaluronic acid. I'm like, no, that's not a acid. It's weird that it has the word acid in it, but it's not an acid. They only think that because they see that woman from Desperate Housewives on the commercials talking about hyaluronic Hyaluronic. Thank you, Eva Longoria. We appreciate your pronunciation help. Thank you. (laughs) That's so great. So that, yes. So that you can pump it into your moisturizer and you'll be fine. You can't do that with everything right? Cause, and really ideally you want it to be a separate step, but again, it's better to have it than not have it. Okay. Well, you mentioned one of your favorite beauty gurus and I wondered if you could say, you know, a few more people either to follow or YouTube channels to watch. I keep mentioning that as if I'm a YouTube person and I am not, I have, but a you real... say it correctly. You say it right. Well, I have a YouTube aversion actually, but I do watch it sometimes because I, f- I find it to be helpful, but it is my last choice of where to follow someone just because I, I don't like video. (laughs) See, I love, particularly for skincare. I like video because I like to see, it's almost like when you go to the hairdresser and you're like, which hairdresser here has the best hair? That's who I want to do my hair. Like, I'm not going to go to a hairdresser with bad hair. So that's why I like video because I'm like, how's your skin look? It does not look good. I'm going to pass on by your channel about skincare. And it's different if people are struggling with acne or things like that. Like I do want somebody who's like, okay, they have as much acne as I do, or they have as many wrinkles as I do. But I also am not taking, I'm just not taking advice from Kylie Jenner 
on skincare. That's just not what I'm doing. She's 12 years old. She has baby skin and she has facials every other week. I'm not taking advice from her, but if you're like 50, I am. So like Susan Yara, I mentioned, she has a channel called Mixed Makeup. She started her, she launched her own uh, skincare brand this year. She was a beauty editor for 20 years and her skincare brand is fantastic. It's now in Target. It's very affordable, lots of great ingredients, lots of great skincare education. That's what I like when I follow people, people who are educating people, not just saying this is a product to use because I've been sponsored by this product, but who's teaching me about ingredients. My own dermatologist, he is weirdly world renowned, which is fantastic. Dr. Corey Hartman. He has a great Instagram channel where he, he throws down a lot of tips, particularly if you're a person who has darker skin tones. He's great. I love Beauty Within, which is a YouTube channel with Rowena Sai and Felicia Lee. They talk a lot about Korean skincare. So if you want to get really deep, which is in the Korean and Asian skincare world, it's really fascinating because they're really on the cutting edge. Everything that you see in America is usually a derivative of something that's happened in Korea 10 years ago. So, and then I love Angie Schmidt from Hot and Flashy which I love that name of that channel, Hot and Flashy. She started taking care of her skin after 40. She's now in her late fifties. She looks better now than she did when she started her channel. And she does, she tests devices for months and then films the whole process, which I really love. And then my final recommendation, there's a great book that came out this year called Skincare by Caroline Hirons, who is an esthetician in London. And she's a skincare guru. And her book is so accessible and so easy to understand it has a lot of fun, you know, British slang. It's very good. And she's a great follow as well. I got that book and I read it. I thought it was helpful. I also started following her. I'm sure on your recommendation years ago, I like her online as well. She's a real direct <laughs> talker. She is very in your face. Listen, I trust experts. I trust people who've gone to medical school, who've done treatments for many years. And it's not that I don't have an intuition about my own skin, because I do. I know how my skin reacts to certain ingredients. And an esthetician who is very skilled and very smart might recommend that to me. But like you, like someone who is skilled would say, you need to use vitamin C, but you know that that's not going to work for you. So it's a balance of going, how do I balance the skincare education with what I know to be true of my own face and what has worked and not worked. And I trust the professionals. And then I also, I literally just, I do sometimes trust, you know, my dermis that's saying, Hey, we don't like this or Hey, uh, we love this more of it, more of it. Okay. This is a side tangent and listen, it has nothing to do with skincare, but I have to ask you because I've been meaning to ask you this. Uh Uh-oh. When do you watch YouTube? And I'm not being a weirdo. I'm actually asking like, (laughs) because, you know, people like say that they fall down YouTube rabbit holes and like that kind of thing. And I understand that there's, there's some versions of YouTube where you can just run it in the background, like a podcast or something, a TV show or something. But like for something like this, where you really want to be watching the screen and paying attention, like, do you just like do that on Saturday mornings? Not that you have a real schedule, but like, like my, like watching cartoons, like my Saturday morning (laughs) cartoons. I'm watching my Saturday morning YouTubes. Maybe. (laughs) Listen, I take my iPad. I put it on behind the sink in my bathroom. And while I get ready every day and while I do my skincare at night. So in the morning I'm in, I'm standing there like drying my hair, doing my hair, doing my makeup, doing my skincare. I'm there for 45 minutes. So, and most, most of the YouTube videos I watch are 10 to 15 minutes long. So I can watch three a day 
in the morning and then I can watch another three at night. I do it that way. Sometimes I watch, there are some channels because I, I really like when I get attached to a YouTuber in the same way that you get attached to an Instagrammer where you're like, I really want to follow their lives. I feel like I know them. I feel like I know what's going on with them. That's how I feel about like Jessica Braun, who I watch, who is a lifestyle blogger. And I know her kid's name is Gigi and her husband's name is Tyler and Tyler plays piano and Gigi doesn't like it. Like, that's weird. I know that I know all that, but it's because I sit down and watch their vlogs. Like they're, they're like a TV show. It's almost like a security blanket. You know, like some people watch episodes of the office as kind of a soother. That's how I feel about YouTube. It's a very soothing platform for me. Okay. No, that was a good answer. I do also have time in the bathroom in the mornings and whatever, while I'm getting ready. I just always listen to podcasts during that time. Well, and sometimes I have been known to do that. Like I'll listen to your podcast while I'm doing that. If I feel like I'm behind on podcasts, but I also have a commute to a job. And I also will listen to podcasts while I'm cooking dinner or making breakfast or I kind of have, but I always have noise going. I'm a Enneagram seven. There is no silence. There is no meditation. There is no journaling. I want to journal. Every episode you say, I'm like, maybe I'll journal. And then it's like, I literally write in my journal. Journaling is hard, period. And the date. <laughs> That's it. Oh my God, so funny. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, let's move to talking about procedures because that's what I really want to talk about. And I really feel like I don't hear a ton of people talking about this honestly, like, you know, just how we're doing. And I feel like I really need to have this conversation with you. So first, how do we philosophically feel about procedures? And by that, I just mean like how people can be anti Botox because it's, you know, shooting poison in your face or people can be anti facelifts because you should age gracefully or like, you know, I think people have these big ideas and, you know, valid ideas about how they feel about changing their looks, you know, messing with what God gave them. And so I just want to like, let's just establish our baseline. Sure. How we feel about procedures. So philosophically, I am very much like Socrates, which is a you do you philosophy. I think he's the one that said that. And so (laughs) I am a you do you. Like if you want your hair to go gray and your wrinkles to come in and whatever you want, I think is right for you. I think you have to make your own decisions about your own body always. Always, always. I'm a big believer in that. I know that's just a crazy concept, but I do think like you get to decide what that looks like. For me, my you do you is I don't want to look plastic. I don't ever want somebody to go, oh, one step too far. <laughs> and so my philosophy is I want things, I want to be able to do procedures that make me just tweak just enough that I go, oh, that's so much better. That's so much better. I have a dermatologist, a cosmetic dermatologist, Dr. Hartman, who very much believes in 
bring me pictures of you 20 years ago, bring in photos of you 15 years ago. I don't want you to look different than you looked 20 years ago. We're not creating a new you. We're just refreshing you so that we can take some of the years off. And so I appreciate that model which is, I'm not going to fix everything that you don't like, which again, if you don't like your nose, get it fixed. Like that's up to you. That's everybody's choice. But for me, my philosophy is you do what's right for you. You do what's financially right for you, what you can afford. I don't think there's any reason to go into debt over things like this, but like do the thing that you have time for, that you have money for, and that you have the perseverance for, you know, and the pain, the pain threshold for so what's your philosophy? Well, I, I can fully admit that it's warped because I live in Los Angeles. And I also think, I only think this now, that if you are under the age of 30, maybe even 35, like you don't get to have a philosophy about procedures. Oh, yes. That's exactly right. Oh, I do agree with that completely. <laughs> there is no Socrates when you're 24. Oh, but thank you, sweetie. Thank you. So whatever I espoused or thought back then about I, what I would or would not do as I oh, aged, yeah. I mean, that is ever evolving. <laughs> but because I live in this land of people chasing perpetual youth, but also people who it is their literal job to look good on camera. And so they get a lot of things done. And it's not just warped philosophically. My idea of what to do or what looks good is warped in this weird way of not just being influenced by the media, which we all are, but I know people, or I have seen people who they look full-blown weird in real life and they look amazing on camera. And so then I'm like, oh, well, what's, huh, what's happening? (laughs) I've also experienced maybe possibly even more times where you might see someone on camera, even in their Insta stories, they don't have to be on the national stage, but whatever you see them on camera and you think, Oh, she could use a little Botox. Maybe. I don't know. Right. (laughs) And then you see them in real life. This has happened to me multiple times that I'm like, this person is stunning. And so with both of those examples, like you just, I have a warped idea of like, I don't really know I don't, I can't always immediately tell like what's real, what's manufactured, why a person would do that. Like what, sometimes I even, my husband and I talk, we'll like joke, like I'll be like, do you think that that person looks pretty? Not to talk bad about anyone or anything, but be like, do you find that attractive? Do you think that looks weird? Or do you think that that's what she looked like 20 years ago? Like you were saying or whatever. And it's all over the place. Like there's not a consistent, like, oh, I always think this looks bad or oh, I can totally tell she's had work done versus no way. That person's just naturally beautiful. I don't have a set philosophy or a set opinion, I guess is what I'm saying. And I'm surrounded by all kinds of examples of beauty and craziness, like truly. And so I can get in my head about it to be like, I don't even know what does 41 look like? Like I'm, I'm, I've lost the thread, everyone. Like I'm not even sure. (laughs) Well, and then when I travel outside of LA, I'm usually very shocked, honestly. Like, I'm usually like, oh, other parts of the world don't look like what an average mall visit 
looks like in Los Angeles. Truly. It is well, a whole different thing. It's my favorite thing. There's an episode of 30 Rock where Tina Fey, who plays Liz Lemon, she is going to move to Cleveland and she lives in New York and she moves to Cleveland. And when she gets to Cleveland, as soon as she like gets out of the airport, someone walks up to her and says, you should be a model. And she was like, Oh, wow. Like, she's like, I'm in Cleveland. I'm a hot. I'm what's not hot in New York, but I'm hot in Cleveland. And I do think that's true. Like for me, none of my friends, and I think this is a very big difference between the two of us. None of my friends locally get any work done. Most of them don't even have a dermatologist that they see for any reason, much less for cosmetic reasons. They don't go to facialist. They don't, that's just not a common thing here. I am the enigma, you know, of like, wow, you got a mom, that's so amazing. Like, what are you doing there? What kind of potions are they working up? Whereas you, my guess would be all of your local friends probably see an esthetician or see a dermatologist that it's a common, it's very common. And I think no matter where you're from, it's finding a balance in that. Like, I don't have to be the weirdo in my own home city, Birmingham. I don't have to be the weirdo just because I get this done, but you also don't have to be like the weirdo to us because everybody gets work done. Like there had, there's a balance of like, let's find out what's out there and what we have access to. Cause I think I grew up and my mother didn't even, my mother wore CoverGirl stick concealer and a pressed powder also from CoverGirl because we gave it to her every year in her stocking. And that's what she wore makeup wise. She didn't pluck her eyebrows. She didn't, I don't want us as a culture to get in the mindset of like, well, I have to look like this online aesthetic because you're going to have to have real surgery to make that work because you don't have that bottom, right? Your hips don't look like that. Your waist doesn't look like that. Your eyebrows aren't shaped like that. Like you're going to have to get things moved around. But when I see for us, like the average person who lives out in the rest of the world, right? When we look on TV or online and we see somebody like, I think I always think of Jennifer Aniston. I just think Jennifer Aniston is someone who has let herself age just enough that she's like, I'm a grown woman. I'm in my fifties, but I don't look like I'm in my fifties, but I also am not frozen because there are other actresses that will remain unnamed that we see and we go, wow, her face does not move, yet she still wins Emmys. Why? It doesn't make sense because she can't move her face. (laughs) So my bad. Okay. But what, like, if you were going to do a procedure, where do you start and how do you, you know, research it or ask about it or whatever? I started with Botox. We'll just you know, I'll just start with what I started with. I got Botox for the first time in my, maybe, maybe I was like 34. I think I was just feeling so tired and depleted by having newborn children and I hated it. And then I didn't get it for years after that because I had really had, had a bad first experience, not like a a legally bad first experience. (laughs) There's nothing wrong. I actually just didn't like the way it felt and didn't think it was worth the cost, which it probably wasn't at that time in my life. Anyway, so I started and then and then took years off and then picked it back up again, maybe when I was 36 or 37 and have gotten regular Botox since then. So, yeah. and I haven't been incredibly experimental with my procedures. So I want you to share what you've been getting <laughs> because- well, because I just want to. And also because I, I don't, I think a lot of times people are listening and they're like, they're only, they're too shy to even ask their dermatologist, like, can I get Botox or how much does it cost? Or 
Yeah. No. Okay. So I started researching skincare late in my thirties. Right. And I saw a big difference in my skin. I saw texture that became smoother. I saw um, some pigmentation that became, that started to fade. I saw a real difference in the quality of my skin. The pores appeared smaller, but then I noticed after doing that for say two years or three years, it wasn't consistently improving. And there were a couple of things about my skin that I really didn't like. And for me, it was really two things that sent me to the next level of research. One was my forehead creases and I've had forehead creases wrinkles since my twenties, because I have a very expressive face and I just have deep inset wrinkles. And I was like, well, it's probably too late. (laughs) Botox is not going to fix this. Right. That's what I thought. And then I had significant age spots because I had not worn sunscreen unless I was at the beach or by the pool. I did not wear sunscreen every day. I wear it every day. Now I'm not even leaving my house today. And I have on sunscreen because UVA rays come through the glass. Like I don't play. I wear sunscreen every day, but I had sunspots that the vitamin C and the acids were not fading and they had started to appear. And I was like, are these liver spots? Is this what my grandmother had? Oh God, like (laughs) this is the end. And it just wouldn't, nothing over the counter was working. No matter how much I researched, nothing over the counter was working. And so what I did was I went to a few places to research. I love to read about skincare online. There's a lot of great reputable sources that are medically based. Polish Choice, even though it's a brand, uh, it has one of the best encyclopedias for skincare on their website. But I also read medical journals. I went to skin experts that I was was following. I watched unsponsored YouTube videos of people who got Botox or who got, you know, a Fraxel facial. I asked friends who I said, Hey, has anybody had any work done? Has anybody had Botox? And a friend like crept out of the darkness and was like, I've had Botox. What would you like to know? And then I started seeing an esthetician and I asked her Asia and I asked my doctor, Corey, like I asked them about procedures. And so the first thing was the sunspots. Cause that was like a low key entry point of like, I was like, I've been using vitamin C and they faded a little bit. And they're like, my esthetician was like, Oh, we can do a BBL facial and they'll be gone next week. And I was like, are you trying to sell me something? And I really did. And, and BBL, for those who don't know, BBL and IPL, they're light facials. So they're using kind of intense light to damage and it's converted to heat in your skin. It damages the skin and it prompts collagen to come and fix it. Collagen's like, oh, I'm sorry. We don't, we don't help this woman anymore because she's in her forties, but okay, we got to come out. Like it's an emergency. And so it comes in and it fixes stuff like pigment in the skin, uh, redness, blood vessels. If you have, I was like, why does my dad have so many broken blood vessels around his nose? Hi, welcome to Jamie has broken blood vessels around her nose. I was like, Oh God, what has happened? And so it targets the tissue and then it heals it. And I'm listen. if I, I tell people, if you have hyperpigmentation on your skin, and this is true, this is mostly for people who have lighter skin. If you have darker skin, you need to go to a, a dermatologist who has darker skin or treats darker skin. Like you can't just go to the rando who's like, what, it all works for everybody. But BBL, I got it done, a facial. And the next week that spot was gone. I went, oh, I spent two years buying all kinds of devices and gadgets and skincare to fix this. And in one week, the sunspot was gone. (laughs) It was astonishing. It like literally just got darker and darker and darker. And then one day I woke up and it was gone. I was like, what, what madness. And so then that was an open door. I was like, what else can we do? I literally walked in to my esthetician and said, 
what else can we do? And she's like, what else bothers you? And I was like, these forehead wrinkles, they really bother me. And they had, they had kind of sustained since I started using retinol, they didn't get worse, but they were already bad for me and my perception. And so I waited until like, it was Botox celebration. And I, I researched for two years, Botox. I asked everybody I knew who got Botox, ask you, I asked everybody I knew, what was your experience? I read everything about it. And for those who don't know, so Botox is an injectable neurotoxin. Botox is a brand name. It's like Kleenex. It's just a brand name. You can also get like a Juveau, Dysport. You can get Zeoman. What Botox does is it blocks the signals from your nerves to your muscles. So the injected muscle can't contract anymore. And so this doesn't fix wrinkles that are caused by the sun. It does not fix wrinkles that are caused by gravity. That's you got to fix that with other stuff, but for like your crow's feet, for your frown lines, for your, uh, wrinkles on your forehead, you inject that muscle and it can't contract anymore. And (laughs) y'all, I got it done when I was 44. So I waited a long time and I thought it was too late because I even said to my doctor, I was like, well, this won't, this won't fix it. It'll just make it not worse. And he was like, oh no, no, it's going to go away. I was like, "Mm, okay. You think you're amazing y'all. That was eight months ago and the forehead wrinkle is almost completely gone. The smaller ones are gone because I continue to use retinol. They're gone completely. And then the big one that was so deep, I mean, like I would literally have to, I would put foundation on my forehead and then have to go back and like tap on the wrinkle because it had, no matter what the foundation was, it had settled into that crevice, the crevasse that was my wrinkle and it is almost gone. You can't see it like normally. Now the question is people get nervous because they're like, well, what if you look frozen? I don't, I was clear with him. I was like, I can't look like a, I cannot look like a crazy person. I have to be able to emote. And I will say my injector, he's a master injector. That's what he does. It's really what he's known for. And you should find somebody who's really good. You should not get Botox with a Groupon. You should not get it at a med spa. (laughs) You should get it from a dermatologist, like who that's what they do. Not as a, like, Oh, I want to try Botox and see if I can do it. Don't do that. But for me, what it did, it didn't bother me. Needles don't bother me. And so that part didn't bother me. I will say when I left, cause it takes about seven to 14 days for it to fully kick in. I remember when it kicked in, I was like, I think my, I think I look like a different person. Like my brows seem different. And so when I went in my follow-up appointment at two weeks, he said, how do you feel? And I said, well, it just, it's weird that my brows are so high in the air. And he was like, oh, we can fix that. And he just did a little quick unit of Botox and my brows came down to a place where it didn't feel like weird anymore. And so now I've had it a second time because it wore off on me after about four months. And so for me, it was a great decision. And I literally, I will do it forever. (laughs) Like I will be in the, in my coffin and they'll be like, how smooth her forehead is. It doesn't look natural, but she looks great. (laughs) Okay. I feel the same about Botox that it is like kind of a miracle for your face. And I found my person after I had this sort of bad experience, which was from a dermatologist, and I want to reiterate that there was nothing like wrong. I just didn't like the way it felt. I did feel it that first time, like where I felt, oh, part of my face is numb. No, not the, not the procedure of getting it in, but like afterwards I just felt like, oh, I can't, I think I I got too much, especially for the Uh. very first time when 
you know, a lot of people who are trying it are, you know, they don't need it that much for their very first time often. And so I think I just got too much and I just felt it. It felt like, you know, I had something foreign in my body or something and I just hated it. That was not, yeah, that was not my experience. So that, yeah, having somebody maybe not do too much. Right. So that was the first time. And also I'm, you know, as established and really sensitive to like the way I'm like real sensitive. So the next time I found a friend who looked amazing, this is my preferred way to do anything is to ask someone who looks amazing, like who they see. Yeah. And I mean, it came up naturally. I didn't just say who does your face or whatever. (laughs) And it came up in a conversation. She looked incredible. She sent me to her person who at the time was working at Kate Somerville in Los Angeles, which that's a big, Uh, great brand that I used some of the Kate Somerville products before. And so I was really, you know, I felt safe and familiar going there. So that was on a dermatologist's office, but the woman I was seeing there is a medical person. Like a licensed esthetician. Yeah. Yeah. Or I think even different than that. Like, I think she's like a, not even an RN. Not Um, like just a person who took a course online and was like, look, I got poison. You want it? Exactly. I still see that woman. She's no longer at Kate Somerville. And, but I, I followed her to where she goes next. And to me, that was just the best way to find a person who you love the way they look. And if they highly recommend the person they use then to follow up on that. For me, I have a really high forehead, really, really high forehead. I would look better with bangs. I am too lazy (laughs) to deal with bangs. I have absolutely no desire to deal with bangs, although I might actually this spring, I sort of have a long-term hair plan. I might do bangs eventually, but for now, between Botox and bangs, it's Botox. And I always forget I have it until I start to, you know, three, four months later, I start to be like, I look bad. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yes. That's how you know it's time to go back in. But I don't even always immediately connect the dots. Like I'm usually just like, I'm not looking great. I'm doing everything the same. You know, like I just didn't, I think that how I look with Botox is how I look. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I, me too. I now have a new face. Like I'm like, what are those things? What are those 11s? Well, and I will tell you the, the thing that was for me was the, the thing to get used to. So like for you, you felt that first time and felt it. I did not feel, I don't even know that my eyebrows are not going up high. Like I think they are, but the biggest difference was how I put on my mascara because normally I would raise my eyebrows to put on my mascara and you can't do that anymore. <laughs> so I was like, oh, I need a new path to get this mascara on because I actually can't raise my eyebrow to put this mascara on. <laughs> so it was a weird, like funny thing that I didn't expect. And he actually told me, he was like, you're going, putting on your mascara is going to be different now. I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> He's like, just wait and see. And he was right. It was like, a, I, and now I don't even remember how I used to put on mascara because this is my life now. But, and for me, look, for me, and I'm sure the cost was different in LA versus Birmingham, right? My Botox, if I got it normally, it would be, you pay per unit. Now I think that's universal. You pay a certain fee per unit and it it depends on how many units you get. The more you're trying to correct, the more units you're going to need or how expressive you are, the more your forehead moves or the more your eyes, like I don't have crow's feet. 
because I eat Cheez-Its and they fill in those, that issue. So I don't have that as much, but for me, the way it works is my dermatologist office, they have, they run cells on Botox a few times a year, like any business would, but they let us bank it. So I buy it at the lowest price. And then I put it in a Botox bank, just like my savings account for the holidays. (laughs) And then when I go in and go buy, go get Botox, I've paid for it at the lowest price. So even though it would normally cost 250 to 350 at my dermatologist, depending on how many units I was getting, I'm paying the 250 always because I bought it at the lowest price. It's like a layaway plan for your forehead. It's very lovely. Do you know what that price per unit is? I'm usually paying $11. That's the sale price where it normally would cost 14 or $15 per unit. So I'm saying, yeah, was- you know, 50 or a hundred dollars, depending. Yeah, I was going to say it's closer to, you know, the range is 14 to 17. So $14 a right. unit would be on the lower end. 17, you know, is maybe more of what I'm paying if I haven't. I do also take advantage of certain deals that they email me or whatnot, but it's a, it's pricey. I mean, it's hundreds of dollars oh, yeah. every three to four months. And I do think it's worth it, but it, you know, it's a big swallow when you The way I look at it is nothing else for me, nothing else can do it. Like nothing else can replicate it. Even in a slower level. Here's my other tip about if you're getting, starting to get procedures or even just facials, ask your esthetician or your office that you go to, ask them if they have a monthly membership program. So like I pay $200 a month and then I pick from a selection of services that costs much more than $200. And I get to pick whatever I want to do that month because of that membership that I have. Plus they let me have 25% off all skincare products. So my, my sunscreen is 25% off automatically. So for me, that's a value that's worth it because I'm doing that many procedures and you can cancel at any time for most of those. So even though BBL costs 400 at my dermatology office, I only paid 200 for it. So that's a way to save money if you're in it for the you know, the long hauler, you like a procedure and you go, God, I want to do that again. So for BBL, it was like, well, I'm spending a hundred dollars a year on vitamin C and it's still not fixing it. Well, I could spend a hundred dollars more and I could fix it. <laughs> like it'd be done. I wouldn't have to worry about it again until I get more age spots. Botox for me was worth it because the studies show that the more you use Botox, it sounds like we're sponsored by Botox. The more you use Botox, the muscles will start to shrink, which that's what I want. (laughs) Like I want them to do what I want them to do. And so it's still like, I'm interested in the science of it and people worry because they're like, it's poison. It's not, it's diluted. It's not, it's not actually poison when it goes into your skin. It's been diluted by the doctor or the provider that you're using. So for me, I'm all in. I like it. I like it a, a lot. I also just wanted to mention quickly that I too got lasers on some spots, not on my face, but I had a lot of sun damage on my chest all the way down sort of into my cleavage area, almost exactly where I probably wore a swimsuit when I was younger or whatever, just from my collarbone down into my cleavage. I have, I still have a lot of sun damage and there were definitely like some spots that I just was self-conscious about you know, they were noticeable enough to me that I was self-conscious about when I wore V-neck or anything like that. And so I got laser on those and 
yeah, those, they came right on off. I couldn't believe it. The, some of them are a little deeper than others. And so those didn't come, but then some of the ones that live right on the surface, those uh, bright red kind of mole looking things. And um, some of those other things, they, I mean, off, gone. Off. I've had uh, clear and brilliant once, which is a, it's called baby fractal. It's fractionated lasers, which is what they'll use for like the BBL is a light. This is a laser. And so it's more intense. And I always tell people BBL feels like you're snapping a rubber band on your face. They don't do a topical anesthetic, or at least at my office, they don't. So I take like a Tylenol (laughs) before knowing what's about to happen. And then it just feels like it's snapping and it's, it feels like a sunburn after. And then within a couple hours, you don't even notice it at all with Fraxel. That's a whole other, like, cause your skin's going to peel off. Like it's going to be like a baby. And so for me, I clear and brilliant. I did not think it was worth it for me on my face because on my face, the downtime was so long. And it's funny, Clear and Brilliant's website will say, no downtime, perfectly gentle. And I was like, well, I cried. I cried in the middle. I teared. And she was like, you're okay. I'm like, I don't think I'm okay. And they numbed me for an hour. They numbed me before I had it. And I still cried. And my skin was like sandpaper for seven days. I couldn't wear makeup. I was red for three days. And I just didn't feel like the it was worth it. And, and I, I think that's about what you value. Do you have time to be down? Like you, you're not going to be in front of people or you don't care if you're going to have red peeling skin while you're checking out at target. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, if you're okay with that, then it's fine for me. I was like, I just don't want a soft skin on the person getting my takeout. Like it just feels disrespectful <laughs> and I don't like it. And it, I feel like there are other paths that I could take. We've both had filler, right? I was going to ask if you were willing to talk about filler because I mean, talk talk about a miracle of modern medicine. God, the only filler understanding I had going in before I started researching was lip filler. And that's literally what I've learned from influencers on the internet. And some of them have really good lip filler, like where they did not have an upper lip, they now have an upper lip and they look great and it looks natural and it doesn't look, because sometimes people like YouTubers who are makeup gurus would reveal, by the way, I had filler and I'd be like, oh, I would never have guessed. But then I see other people and I'm like, you have had filler, like a lot. Your lips are a different part of, like they protrude in a different way from your body. But that's the only filler I knew about. And then my dermatologist, which if a dermatologist, he, my dermatologist has never said, hey, do you want to get this? You look like you could use it. <laughs> He's never done that. He lets me say, hey, what, what kind of things can you do for this? And I said, right now, the only thing that really bothers me is my dark circles. Like I just have the darkest circles under my eyes. And he said, well, right now, the only thing that we can, cause some of that's genetic and you just, just literally can't do anything. There's nothing topical. Don't believe any topical claim. It cannot fix, especially if they're genetic. If it's from lack of sleep, you can sleep more and that can make a difference. But if your dark circles are genetic, like mine are, th- there's no like, oh, well then just use this topical from CVS. Like it doesn't work that way. And so he recommended, because I had kind of a hollowness, he was like, let's, I'm more than willing to try some filler under your eyes. And I was like, you're going to pump something into my face that will puff it out. And he was like, 
Yes. <laughs> so I got tear trough fillers. That's what they call it. And I freaking loved it. Like genuinely. Loved. I was like, I look so rested and I'm rested normally, but I was like, wow. And it, it wasn't massive. I don't think the average person would look at me and know that I had it done, but I know as someone who puts on her concealer every day and looks at her face every day up close, I see the difference. It's a hyaluronic based filler. And so if it had gone wrong, like if Botox goes wrong, you have to just wait it out. There's no way to fix, really fix it. Like if it's done something wonky, you just have to wait out the three or four months. But with hyaluronic acid fillers, if something goes wrong, you can actually inject, um, I think it's called, I wrote it down so I would remember. You would inject hyaluronidase, which is an enzyme found in our bodies, and it actually dissolves it so that you can, so if your lips are too big, if it had made them too puffy, I would have been like, can we take that back? And he actually was very conservative. He's a very conservative injector. And so when I came back in two weeks, he was like, I think I want to add just a little more. And I was like, okay, let's go. And there was no downtime. I had no bruising. It looked good immediately. That is probably the one thing where I go, if needles are your problem, this is going to be like, cause you can feel the needle going in to your face <laughs> and you can feel it moving and you can feel the stuff coming in. So if that's not your, if that's not your vibe, you will not enjoy this experience. It doesn't hurt, but you can feel it. It is for highly sensitive people. It is pretty gnarly. The filler situation, I will yes. tell you. Right. It's worth it to me because I genuinely, if any product of any procedure or product or anything that has ever happened to me, I feel like I left the office looking oh yeah, younger than when I had walked in like an hour before or whatever. It is immediate. And I got it because I now, had where did been you get it. I got it in the same area, but maybe a little lower, like so on the side of my nose. Oh, okay. Well, it's your uh, nasal labial folds. It's where your cheeks kind of come in towards your nose. Yes. So I was, you know, feeling dissatisfied that I still had a lot of wrinkles around my eyes. So I have crow's feet and I have a lot of fine lines directly below my eyes, right. even though I get Botox in my eye area, but you can't get too much Botox in your eye area because that's just well, yeah. skin in there. But I said, you know, what what will make this look better? I really noticed this. Now, this is genetic. My family members also have a lot of wrinkles in the same area. My brother, he and I share a face. You know, we have a lot of the same face. <laughs> right. You know, and so I knew that it was a, a genetic component, but I was like, well, I'm doing Botox. Why isn't this fixing? And she was like, you know, what would help the overall thing is to get some filler in here, which sort of plumps up the whole area and kind of makes the wrinkle like, I, you know, I, it's hard to explain. It kind of makes the wrinkles not like sag or, or be quite so prominent. Right. And so I didn't totally even understand what she was saying, but I trusted her. I've been seeing her for years <laughs> at that point. And I was like, okay. I mean, I didn't say, okay, at that moment, I made a different appointment, but I, I will be honest that I didn't a hundred percent understand how getting filler beside my nose was going to fix my eye wrinkles. I don't know. I don't understand all of the different, how it works. <laughs> right, right, right. But I will tell you what, she was right. I still don't understand how it works. A lot of people get it in their temples. They get it. It's really like the FDA has approved it like for your cheeks and for your lips. And then they do kind of 
uh, dermatologists will say, well, it'll also work in your tear troughs. It'll work in your temples. It'll work because by nature, as we age, we lose volume in our face. We just lose volume. Like I have a round face filled with Cheez-Its. And so I don't struggle with like the volume loss as much, but people who had fuller cheeks and now their cheeks are going to, it's why it's why people start to get jowls, why their skin starts to hang from the sides. All of that is because of a loss of volume. So you'll put filler where you had that loss of volume. So, so the main amount of filler that I got was in this area beside the nose, my nasal area. But then she said, well, you can't look like you sort of have to balance it out a little bit because of if the whole face is sagging and we're just fixing this sort of one area. (laughs) So she did kind of at the top of my cheekbones, just a little bit. And so then it's like, like in a ratio way, it sort of all makes that whole thing. Otherwise I saw what she meant of like, oh, well, if you kind of puff out right here by my nose, but then my cheeks are sort of sagging, that's going to start to make your face look different. So to just kind of keep your regular facial features in balance, right? she added just some touches up here at the top of my cheekbone. But what I do want to say about the sensitive part, because this really is like, I really would not, would never not tell someone it feels so freaky. You feel it going in, you feel, they kind of are manipulating where the filler is going. And so you can sort of feel that manipulation under the skin. I was losing <laughs> my mind. No way. Really? Yeah. I was freaking out. And then she, you know, you do one side first and then the other side. And I was like, Oh, I can't, I mean, I can't do the other side. Like I was like, I'm <laughs> freaking out. Like we have to, I'm sorry, Miss Tremaine. We do need to do the other side. <laughs> she was like, well, we're going to do the other side. So you need to get a grip. And, <laughs> and so I've only had filler once, except I did have to go back twice. So you go back like two weeks later and, and she looks at you and she, maybe that's when she did the cheek touch up. I'm not sure. But so I had two little rounds of it, but in, in one big session, you know, basically. Yeah. I need it again. It's just last a long time. That has been years. That's been well, a couple the, of years. The beauty of fillers in terms of how long it lasts, like depending on where you get it, it depends on what the movement is. Like the reason Botox around your wrinkles, the reason Botox doesn't last as long is because the movement is just, you're trying to move those muscles so much. It just dilutes it and it doesn't last. But with filler, because it's not like my tear troughs, because it's not a very mobile place, it doesn't really do much. It doesn't, it doesn't move much. It takes your body a lot longer to eat up, quote, eat up that hyaluronic acid. And so they told me, oh, well, your tear trough filler will last 18 months at least. Like with your lips, it's different, but they still say even with your lips, it lasts at least a year. I had a friend who just got lip filler, but she did it because she's in her early fifties. And she said, I just didn't like the lines on my lips. And so for my friend, she got so little filler, but she told her dermatologist, she's like, I don't want bigger lips. I just don't want as many lines. And so they really did craft a very specific treatment. So her lips are weird. It's weird that they don't look bigger. They just look fuller. If that makes sense, they don't like go higher or go lower or wider. If you've ever used Facetune, it doesn't do that. It's just, they don't have as many lines on them. And she's like, I just feel better now when I wear lipstick. But for me, what it felt like is when you go to the dentist and, you know, they numb your, if you have work done and they numb your face and then you touch your face, but you can't really feel it. And you're like, that's so weird. That is what filler feels like. Cause your face is numb. They've numbed you. But then they're touching your face and you're like, I can feel the pressure, but I can't feel your finger. This is very strange. Like I don't, and it is weird that, cause they're, it's like Play-Doh. They're pushing it around and then make sure it's smooth and not lumpy. Cause we've seen those people with lip filler that's lumpy. Like one part of their lip sticks out and you're like, you girl, you gotta get that dissolved. 
that does not look good. <laughs> but now that's the thing. Filler is expensive. So my tear trough filler was $1,500. But again, it lasts a year and a half or two years. It's a bigger investment. But again, like you said, I walked out and I was like, what? This is amazing. <laughs> this is so good. And I would ask people who see me every day, like coworkers, I'm like, do I look crazy? They're like, no, you look so rested. You look like you've been on vacation. I'm like, that's what I want. That's what I want. <laughs> so I left the office after I got filler and FaceTimed my sister, completely bare face. I mean, I still had like needle marks on my face. Yeah. And I was like, look at my face. Like, I was like, don't I look amazing? She I was like, mm, I don't know that I can tell through the FaceTime. And I was like, well, trust me. I look, trust me, I look great. I look great. Yes. <laughs> okay. What is next? We did a lot of time on Botox and fillers, but I really do think those are the most common things that people are curious about, or just want to, if they've had it kind of want to see what other people's experience were. Yes. Like. And I don't know for you, like for me, what's like, I think about what's next. And for me now, it's just a maintenance of Botox and I get microneedling now. That's been the thing. Listen, most of the things I get are just to prompt collagen. <laughs> and so I've been getting microneedling at the office because I can't be trusted to put a needle in my face in my bathroom where I may not clean it as often as I, I'm just not going to pee where I microneedle guys. I'm just not going to do that. And so I have a professional do it. And that's one of the things I've been doing three rounds of microneedling. And I have been the most impressed with the results. Like after a month of seeing my pores, just appear smaller and my redness. I have reactive redness all the time. And if you press my skin, it's red. It's not rosacea. It's just reactive redness. And the BBL and the microneedling has helped so much with that. I use less foundation. I just feel like I can leave the house in just a bit of concealer and some mascara and feel really confident running into anybody. I don't feel like, oh no, they see me at my worst. Like, I'm like, no, they see me at my best rested because of all the things that are roaming around my face. I love it. I thought microneedling hurt so bad. I did it once. Well, I mean, I did all the sessions because I had to go to, I think I had to do three sessions. Is this right? Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. It did work. Microneedling did. I did see some real benefit from it, but I thought it hurt. Well, I'm not super sensitive to pain. I obviously am sensitive to things on my face, but I, I was like, this is really, I don't know. I can't do this. Well, for me, you know, they numb the face. They did a numbing that numbs, that sets up for 30 minutes. So I don't feel it as much in the moment. It again, feels like a really bad sunburn after the fact. And so I just keep putting on hydrating mask, like sheet mask that day. I know I'm not going anywhere after I have microneedling. It can be weird. Like that's the one time you leave the, the dermatologist and you look like you've survived some sort of war. Like, did you, were you just in the battle of Gettysburg? What just happened to you? And I'm like, I know I survived. Like, it is funny. I was always self-conscious about leaving the dermatologist's office, but I was like, oh, these people all know this is how they see us. Like they're used to this. But what I like about microneedling is that it can help. It just, again, is a collagen induction therapy. And so it's just because your body just stops making collagen as fast as you get older. It's why your bones creak. It's why they ache. It's why it's just your body just says you're over 35. Now we are going to give up <laughs> for the next 50 years. And so this prompts your body to go, no, no, keep making it. And they're like, okay, I can do it. So you can prompt it. You just have to really force its hand. Did you have tools you wanted to share? Because I really didn't. Well, I just had two that I wanted to share because I don't think you have to go to a dermatologist's office to get 
stuff done, but there are some things that you can kind of upgrade your skincare routine. The first one is an LED mask. I got an LED mask uh, about a year and a half ago in a Nordstrom anniversary sale as one does, because that's the best deal. And I had researched red light therapy for a long time. They were using red light therapy when I would get a hydrofacial at my derm's office. And I was like, what's that for? And it was great. Cause she was like, well, you know, red light is it prompts collagen. And I was like, you know, that's my favorite phrase is prompting collagen. And so red light therapy comes from NASA. Again, things come from the weirdest places, but NASA would use near infrared red light to heal wounds faster in astronauts. And it worked because it prompts collagen. And so of course, the beauty industry was like, we need that over here, not just over there. And so I use the Dr. Gross Spectralite mask, which you can get at Sephora or Ulta or online at Dr. Gross's site. You need to be the kind of person that will do it consistently. You need to use it at least three to five times a week for 12 weeks before you'll see a difference. Whatever mask you use, they're not all created equally. Red light, if it's near infrared, it needs to be at 830 nanometers. If it's regular red, like the one I use is at 633 nanometers. If it's higher or lower than that, it's just not going to make the same kind of difference. And most devices will say what their nanometer length is. So I use red light every day, every single day. I use it for six minutes every day. And for me, the biggest difference it's made is it has made my texture of my skin smooth. Whereas I used to have a really orange peel chin from just having acne my whole life, hormonal acne on my chin. It just makes that really textured. This was the thing that made a huge difference. I've been using the mask long before I had microneedling done. So the microneedling will also make a difference in that, but I was already seeing the change and the mask was the thing that was different in my routine for a year. And so I abide by it tremendously. Now you can get masks that also do blue light. I always say, be careful with blue light because blue light can actually scientifically has shown that it can increase hyperpigmentation, but it does help with active breakouts. That's why people use blue light is if they have an active, active pimple or something that's coming up, it doesn't prevent acne. It only treats, you know, active acne. And my dream device is one that has both red lights, the near infrared and the regular red. So that's my next purchase is the mask that does both. Boost makes a mask that does both. And then I'll pass this mask on to a friend for them to benefit from. And then I use an ice roller, which you can get from Amazon. And the one I love is from Amazon and I leave it in my freezer. And when I do a sheet mask, like I do a sheet mask almost every day and I use my ice roller in the morning to just help with redness. Again, I, I struggle with always with redness and puffiness. I tend to be a salt lover and that usually shows up the next day. And so using that roller and it just is soothing. It's actually really just a lovely experience. We talked about a lot of things that are weird and sometimes you just want something that's really soothing and an ice roller can do that. Okay. I love that. I don't have any tools to share. I want to try that LED mask, but I'll have to report back because I do not yes. have that yet. Okay. Lastly, do we have time to just quickly, quickly yes. say some of our favorite makeup these days? I know this is a skincare episode, but I actually love talking about makeup and what people are finding and loving and what makes yes. them feel pretty. And well, so I tell me what you think. Well, can I tell you to you, I have a friend who is in her late forties who started a skincare routine because I forced my friends to start skincare routines. And she said to me the other day, she goes, you know what? When you put moisturizer on, your makeup goes on easier. And I was like, I know. 
I told you that. And she's like, it's really amazing. And so she had not never used moisturizer before in her life. So you want your makeup. If you're going to spend a lot of money on makeup, having a good canvas is important. So I will tell you a few things that I've loved in the past year. Favorites. Patrick Ta, who is a makeup artist, he has a line and he has these blushes but it's a cream and a powder in one in the compact. And so you put on weirdly the powder first, the formula he's made, you put on the powder first and then you dab on the cream and it gives a glow. Most of us who are over 35 are looking to bring a glow back to our skin that is not naturally there because our skin gets duller as we get older because collagen has given up. Don't forget collagen has forsaken you. So I love that. My favorite eyeshadow palette of the year is the Natasha Denona Glam palette. And what I love about this palette, if people are not eyeshadow wearers, the way that Natasha Denona, she's a makeup artist, she labeled all of the eyeshadows, center eyelid, inner corner, lash line, blend, transition. So you know where to put them. For me, I have really fair skin. Well, if you have dark skin on her website, she shows you how to rearrange because you can pop out all of the eyeshadows. She shows you how to rearrange them so that the transition shade is the right one for you. Because if you have darker skin, you need a darker transition shade. And so I really love that. And then Wait, hold on. I have to comment on that because I've seen her stuff at Sephora and she is expensive. Listen, listen to me. We just talked about getting $1,500 filler. Why are you romping on my ding dong about a $60 pound? <laughs> you just explained how you bank Botox to save money. I'm just saying, wait for the sell at Sephora. They do a sell twice a year at Sephora. This palette is the only palette you need it's going to literally last you for two years. It doesn't expire for two years. So it's an investment for sure, but it's the only one you need, especially if you're a beginner with eyeshadows, they blend seamlessly. They go on really well. They're highly pigmented. If you're a professional, it does a great smoky eye. You will really like it. So okay, for those of you, what's your other one? My other one, since you want something budget, cause you're screaming at me about money. <laughs> so one of the lip glosses. I love lip gloss and it's something we had to kind of give up most of 2020 because of mask, but I still wear a lip gloss, even if I know one's going to see me because I love a lip gloss. And I think the lip gloss of the last five years is Maybelline put out the lifter gloss and it includes hyaluronic acid in the formula. It's not tacky. It's glossy and shiny. It makes your lips look beautiful and smooth. It doesn't sink into lines. They have several shades. They absolutely stole the packaging from Kim Kardashian, (laughs) KKW Beauty. It is a fantastic lip gloss. I love it. And it's a reminder, you guys, a lot of the brands that are high end, that are expensive are owned by the same company that owns Elf and that owns L'Oreal and that owns Revlon. So they're, they're all working with the same labs. One thing I think I told you, one of my favorite makeup primers is Milk Makeup, the Hydro Grip. It's a fantastic primer that keeps your makeup on. It's great to wear under a mask because it keeps your makeup on forever. Hard Candy makes a perfect dupe. Not only perfect dupe, like performs the same, but has the exact same ingredients. And you can get that at Walmart and you're going to pay an eighth of the price. So what about you? What makeup are you loving? Well, since we last spoke about this publicly, I discovered Charlotte Tilbury when I was actually traveling in London pre-pandemic, everybody. I was traveling in the summer of 2019 and wandered into a Charlotte Tilbury boutique. 
and really fell in love with their lipsticks. So now I have multiple lipsticks, not just the Pillow Talk famous one, because I'm not really a neutral lipstick gal. I am a strong... (laughs) lipstick. And I love the Charlotte Tilbury lipsticks. I think that they're creamy. They last a long time, but without like, you know, you don't have to scrub them off with makeup remover. They're just a really great formula. I have the queen, which is a true red. It's really very beautiful. And then kind of my signature color, a sort of bright fuchsia is called velvet underground. I really love that one. Also, I have found a lot of Charlotte Tilbury products that I love since discovering that brand. But prior to this, a brand I've talked about for years and probably my overall favorite brand, even though I I wear a lot of different things, I try a lot of different things. But if I had to choose just one, it would have been NARS. I love NARS's tinted moisturizer, blush, lipsticks. You know, I just, I have a lot of NARS stuff and I always really love it. They're just a total basic for me. I always know that it's going to be good, solid. Charlotte Tilbury, I... I'm not completely brand loyal. I did not like any of her foundations. I tried a few and I, they're, they're not for me, her foundations, but I loved her lipstick and I'm really loving her blush. And which I've talked about on the show many times now is I absolutely love her magic cream moisturizer. That is. Oh, it's my, what I use every day. What? It is so good. <laughs> and and by the way, that magic cream moisturizer costs $40 more than that Natasha Denona palette I just talked about. So I don't know why you're being so judgy. I'm not judging. I just think I, I, eyeshadow is hard for me to swallow. Moisturizer, I'm like, <laughs> take my money. I love moisturizer. But I do love that magic cream moisturizer. Whoa, holy cow. It's probably my great find of 2020, actually, in the beauty space was the magic cream. Okay, and then the other thing that I really like, it's also kind of a splurge, but I've been wearing it every single day, is Chanel bronzer. Yes. It's kind of like a bronzer mousse. It's hard to, it's not, mousse isn't totally the right word, but cream isn't quite right. It's definitely not a powder. It's very hard to describe what, what the formula of this is. It's in a really pretty case. I use a big fluffy brush and I love it because I'm very pale and other bronzers like NARS bronzer, for example, which is a beautiful color and as a nice powder, but like, it's a little bit like too too much bronze, even on the lighter end. What I liked about the Chanel bronzer is it's exactly the right amount every time. Like, I don't know why for some reason on my pale skin, it always looks like not too much and very pretty and natural. It's a cult classic. People love that bronzer. And listen, I'm a big believer in you can find a high-end product that you love, like Chanel. I've never owned a Gucci product in my life. I use Gucci bronzer. It was a gift at Christmas. Of the person didn't know that's what they were giving to me, but they gave me a gift card to Sephora. <laughs> but the bronzer is amazing. So I'm like wearing the Gucci bronzer because the same thing, I have a cooler undertone. It's hard to find cool undertone bronzers because they tend to be very warm. And I like, I'm also wearing a serum foundation from L'Oreal, which I really love this year. That is like a dupe for it cosmetic CC cream. And it's again, a fourth of the price and it's really great. And it has sunscreen and not enough, but like it has it as a kind of backup. So I like when you can mix, you introduced me to YSL lipsticks and how great they are. They're fantastic. And then I also love, you know, a, I love a Maybelline lip gloss over on top. So 
I yeah, like high low. I love it. I love. Okay, yeah. did did we cover everything under the sun? It feels like I, it. I feel like we did. You know, this week that this comes out, I am going to share on my Instagram. If you want to follow me, I'm going to share kind of where can you start? So where can you start with a routine? If you don't have a routine now in terms of skincare, and I'm going to give you just three steps. So three-step routine, what can you do? I promise you, if you just do these three steps for one month, you'll see a huge change in your skin. Everyone needs to go follow Jamie. She is the best on Instagram. I love her stories, not just because we're friends. She's so (laughs) funny and she does empties and she does favorite stuff. And I just, I love her Instagram presence and you will too. Where can they follow you, Jamie? So you can find me on Instagram at Jamie B. Golden. I'm also there at Twitter, Jamie B. Golden. And then I am a podcaster by day. I host a podcast with Knox McCoy called The Popcast. You can find us at knoxandjamie.com. We talk about pop culture every Wednesday. We argue that we educate you on things that entertain but don't matter, which is my favorite topic. And then we also host a podcast called The Bible Binge, where we recap Bible stories as if they were like The Bachelor. So it's a really good time that we have over there as well. And so you can find that at thebiblebinge.com. All right. Thank you, Jamie, for joining us again. Part two, such a success. I love having you on. You can come on 10 Things to Tell You anytime you want. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm Laura Tremaine, and you've just listened to the 10 Things to Tell You podcast. You can find the show notes and subscribe to episode emails at 10thingstotellyou.com slash podcast. And you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at 10 Things to Tell You. Remember, this is an interactive podcast. I have 10 things to tell you, and you have 10 things to tell. So take this topic to your journal or a friend or post on social media using the hashtag 10 things to tell you. These episodes are meant to bring connection with others and ourselves and spark better conversations. Thanks for listening. Now go share something.